Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Wherever you are in the world, I hope you're well. Um, it has been an incredibly exciting couple of weeks from my end and I'm sure for anyone uh, really in the UK with um, some show dates coming out, there's a massive buzz um, across, obviously across the team but really across the, the industry itself here within the UK um, because that's when we start planning the shows for next season and I spent I spent the past couple of weeks on usually on a phone on the phone with one a client or two every day um, discussing so discussing shows possible shows possible schedules different options of like runs of okay we can do these three or we can do those three or whenever um, but still eagerly awaiting a couple of different federations um such as like you know tubros they haven't released yet but they've got a show this sunday in Lille, so i don't see them releasing that till after and then just a couple of the other small feds but the big ones you know like the pcas or pca itself sorry is released um nfm uk released and we've got UKUP kind of released there's kind of not um naba ibfa a few of them have so the, the scottish season is all locked in but those dates i kind of knew already unofficially um, before they became official on the other dates later on in the year, like the ones down in Kittering um, or Manchester or Jersey or whatnot, again, like those dates, you kind of like as a coach in your head, the the show is in the same place every year, roughly the same time on the same weekend. So you kind of roughly know even before the season schedule is published, like, right, I'm going to guesstimate that, let's say, PCA Manchester is the start of September. And it always is that first weekend every year, um, just just from going there the past few years and kind of knowing. But incredibly, incredibly exciting time, um, because people are into prep already for the Scottish season. But the ones that are keeping a little bit later on, it's starting to get exciting for them as well now. Because although they're not on prep, prep's in sight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whether that be, um, them starting diet in January, February, March, or whatever, it's an exciting time regardless. And. I guess that kind of brings us on to the subject of today's podcast, which is on prep, the difference between a kind of like strategic high day or days versus like a cheat cheat meal or a cheat day, as some people may call it, and kind of give reasons as to why I do what I do and why I don't think you should do um, one of them. So first off, We've got to chat about right. Well, why would you why would you use um, a, a refeed, cheat meal, high day, whatever you want to call it? Why would you do that? There are a few reasons, and I'm sure obviously you've listened to the podcast before and have listened to those episodes. But let's just like recap on why we would do it. Number one, it could be that you are um, ahead of the, ahead of the curve, ahead of the ball game, ahead of the the planned schedule of where you need to be, and you want to slow things down. You want to back off the gas a little bit. You want to give the physique a little bit of a break top up again um, before you get back to digging and effectively apply the brakes if you're in a car you're on the accelerator you're on the high days you apply the brakes now reason number two is that you've built up so much fatigue so much stress on the body or stress levels have gotten so high that um, we physically have to back off the gas because we aren't going anywhere you know our foot's firmly on the accelerator but the car's just not moving. So then we've got to apply the brakes, right? What does that do? Well, extra food in the form of carbohydrates and fats 
it helps lower levels of stress in the body. You're like, well, that's magic. How does that work? Stress, one of the main sort of um, responses from stress in the body is higher levels of cortisol. Now, so those higher levels of cortisol that are cortisol, you could see it as like, it's essential for living, right? But it's the enemy of fat loss. If we're on prep, we're trying to take all, take everything off. High levels of cortisol ain't going to fly with that. One of the like proven ways to reduce levels of cortisol is through increased food, along with rest. Does that make sense? So whether that be, you know, your coach says to you, hey, cheat meal, and you go have whatever you want, or your coach says, cool, right, here's high days, it's in theory working the same, but with obviously differences. Number three um, is just that someone may mentally be fucked, right, and just totally done. Um, This would probably be... I don't really need to do this for someone to have a mental break, um, but I, I often will understand why people will do it. If someone just has maybe, uh, they say, hey, you know, they're struggling mentally and you give them one high day and you know, like, off that high day, a little bit of a mental break and they're going to push harder, although the physique doesn't necessarily need it, that's a third option as to why you can run high days. And of course, as you get closer to the show, number four is that those high days or refeed sheet meals are giving you a little bit of an indication of what you're going to do going into the show itself. So this kind of brings me to my point of, let's say you start you start giving someone a, a cheat meal um, at t- eight weeks out, right? And at eight weeks out, what they have on that cheat meal versus what they have when they're two, <laughs> two weeks out may be incredibly different, right? Someone might say, oh, I fucking love a Domino's. So they have a Domino's when they're eight weeks out, and that's all they have extra, and they drop a meal and they have that. But then when they get to two weeks out, they're so hungry that they have a Domino's, they have some garlic bread, some chicken kickers, they have some cookies and some ice cream. And there's a lot more calories than um, they were having eight weeks prior. Now, if you give someone free reign to say, look, have whatever the fuck you want, um, they, they have no, like, as they get leaner, they have no concept of saying stop as their hunger cues get like a lot higher. And that's where I think that it can become incredibly, uh, not dangerous, it can become incredibly hard um, to manage if you allow someone that freedom. And that's why, like for me, I will always opt for a strategic planned high day. What's high day? You're probably going to think, right, let's say... Let's take a couple of examples. Let's first start with a bikini girl. Let's say a bikini girl, she's dieting. Um, she's maybe on like 1,300 calories or 1,200 calories. Um, carbs aren't really maybe going past 100. She's doing like 45 minutes of cardio a day. And she's pushing pretty hard. Let's say we get to a, I get to a point where I want to give a strategic high day. Well, I'm probably going to push her straight to about 350 gram of carb. There, thereabouts. Um, and I'm going to bump her fats up as well. Maybe her fats by this point are only like 20, less than that, maybe maybe between 15 to 20. I'm going to bump them straight up to close to 50 plus. Easy. And I'm going to leave protein the same. Protein will naturally increase because as you are putting more food in, like, for example, there's protein in oats. There's a little bit of protein, um, incomplete proteins in like so potatoes or bagels or something like that. 
So that's naturally going to look like it's higher, but you're not actually actively asking them to eat more chicken or anything like that. And then I'll just note the response, right? Um, maybe maybe someone's visually gotten a little bit fuller. The way the weight went up, a good kilo and a half. I'm like, right, boom, cool. This is good. This is kind of good data for us. Ten days go by, right, boom, new low. Um, came down really quick. Maybe with the Maybe they've dropped two kilos. Like, Fuck, that's not enough. Right, let's run two of those, two high days together. Or if it's if they've not come down that much, right, maybe I go from like 350 and I push them to 400 and I bump their fats up to 60 or whatnot, right? I'm probably not going to go much above 65, 70 grams of fat for females uh, when I'm loading them, if I'm honest. I just don't feel it's necessarily needed. And then what you'll typically find is from that first high day, I will manipulate that as time goes on based on what we see in front of us and how close the close we get to the show. And as I'm doing this and I'm manipulating, I'm kind of looking and I'm checking and I'm getting them to check in, you know, the day out, straight after the high day, then the day after the second high day, maybe I'm getting them to check in post-workout. Just trying to assess in my head, like get a good view of how does the physique look with X, Y, and Z food in there? Because that's starting to give me an indication of what I'm maybe going to do going into the show. Now, I might not do exactly as I've been running the high days, but I guarantee I'm going to do something similar. Why? Because it's tried and tested and it creates a specific look. And what we're trying to do is obviously present the best look for the stage. Now, you're thinking, Vaughn, a bikini kettle, high days, you know, loaded in the show. Yeah, 100%. Not all of them, but a lot of them have a fair bit of muscle. And if you don't load that muscle, it's not going to look round, it's not going to pop. And what are the judges looking for? They're looking for round, poppy glutes. And the same with the delts as well but a nice tight midsection. So again, how you load a bikini girl going into a show, that second high day or maybe the day before the show, is maybe a little bit different than how you run a bodybuilder, right? The bikini girls maybe have like a moderate day in between the loading days, whereas the bodybuilders load straight in. The bodybuilders, so how would we how would we start with them? So again, opposed to giving them, um, you know, free reign, we maybe get to, I, I keep saying eight weeks out, it might be earlier than that, but hypothetically, you're probably going to only start to quote-unquote need high days when you get to roughly the 8-week-out marker, 10-week-out marker. Depends, right? Some guys only start dieting for a show 10 weeks before. i got some bodybuilders that are going to be doing that for next year because they're just big guys and they come in quick. But regardless of whenever it is, when we get to their high days, maybe they are dieting anywhere between 250 to 300 grams of carbs on a day-to-day -day basis. When we get to that first refeed or high day, whatever you want to call it, I'm probably going to push that, depending on the size of the individual, anywhere between 650 to 850 gram of carb. Maybe somewhere in the middle, um, if they're the, the bigger guy, more towards the sort of 750, 800 marker. And again, run that high day, I'm usually going to give them one to start off with. I'm going to note the response after that. Um, before I would then up it to two. Some of you may be listening to this and thinking, well, when do you up it to two? Like, is there a point at which you do it? What you look out for? Like, this is something that kind of comes in time and you have to trust your gut instinct with when you make it. I remember as a young coach, young coach, fuck me, I'm thinking of a few years ago, as a maybe a more inexperienced coach, like, struggling to make those decisions because I wasn't confident that they were going to work. When you learn the science, you know it, you have to have the confidence to implement it and it's cool when you actually do implement it for the first time because you know the response, you go, fuck me, this actually really works. Um, but anyway, back to the point. Let's say I've given them 750. 
it doesn't touch the sides. They wake up the next day, weights point two up, and they keep going. Seven to ten days later, they're about a kilo and a half down. Okay, I'm going to push more in, or I'm going to run over two days. Probably thinking, Vaughn, what, what do you do with fats? Well, with fats with guys, I'm probably going to push that up a bit more. And for them, it's going to be anywhere between 70 to 100 grams of carbs. Uh, carbs is 70 to 100 grams of fats. Maybe some a touch more as the closer we get to show, but I'm probably not going to push them above you know 120, there, thereabouts. I think that's probably absolutely max needed. Now, here's the thing. With some of the really, really big dudes, I also will give them like a burger and chips. And you're probably thinking, but Vaughn, hang on a minute. You just said that you wouldn't give out a, uh, a cheat meal or whatever. Well, it's not a cheat meal. It's part of the high days. Now, what effectively that burger and chips would maybe do, now I don't do this with everyone. You'd be lucky if I did this like two or three times this year. Um, mostly with uh, like say Chris Bain, the big, big bodybuilder that I've got who's going again next year. So let's say they maybe have, by the time you've got, Chris got to his show, as an example, he was having anywhere between 1,000 grams of carbs to 1,200 grams of carbs. So that first day, let's, for argument's sake, say it was 1,150. The second day for him, between all his shows, was anywhere between 850 all the way up to 1,000. But when he was doing shows that were back-to-back and in the middle, you know, show Saturday, show Sunday, we needed a big top-up on the Saturday night because he'd had hours maybe not eating quite as much and posing quite hard and quite fatigued. So with him, we did put in a burger and chips because it was a lot of carbs, there was a fair bit of fat in it, and there was a fair bit of salt in it, all of which he needed, and quite calorie-dense, to get full. Here's things, ladies. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, fuck, it's unfair that these guys get burger and chips and blah, 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 blah. Well, it's just the sport, right? And for how much muscle these guys will carry versus how much muscle you maybe carry as a bikini girl, it's very, very different. Also... The bodybuilder's waists are very rectangular, aren't they? Whereas, you know, for a bikini girl, it's all about that small waist, that hourglass look, the big shoulders, the big delts, and a little waist coming in. Whereas your bodybuilder, of course, you don't want a bloated, distended midsection, but it doesn't matter quite as much. If you get me, we're not looking for a teeny little waist. We're just looking for good ab development and a quote-unquote tight waist, opposed to like a small waist. So. By the time, on both those scenarios, the bikini girl and the the bodybuilder, by the time you get to show day, you will probably have trialled high days anywhere from about, let's say, five to six times. And you'll have a really good strategy and indication two weeks out of, right, this is what we're going to do into that first show. Of course, you run it. You then look back at the show, um, look back at the peak, look back at the data, of course you look at the result, what did the result bring, did those high days um, as you were filling give nice fullness, nice pop, did they keep the midsection nice and tight, good levels of conditioning, nothing was spilled, um, if that if that was good it doesn't matter what the result was, someone could win or come last, if the look was the best then you like, don't change the peak just because ah oh, fuck well we came third there and um, you know Number one was a lot fuller than us. Well, fuck, maybe number one was just a lot bigger than you. Maybe you peaked perfectly, but then because of, because of that, you then push more in the week after, and fucking hell, you spill the client over, and they do even worse. So just 
always go by not just the result, not who you're competing against, how's the physique? How's it looking? Take lots of pictures. I always put all the pictures in the WhatsApp chat so I could go back and look because WhatsApp you know, collates everything. Send them to the client and again, we can do both. Now, the client itself, itself, the client him or, him or herself will always be really critical and always look back and they often kind of forget what they looked like on show day and they'll look back at pictures and they'll really like, they'll look at one picture and where it's maybe like they're not sucking the midsection quite as well or getting their quads on quite as well. And then they'll instantly make a, like in their head, they'll instantly say, oh, I looked fucking shit there or oh, my midsection was bloated there so we should change it. So just as a coach, be really, really like aware of that and aware of your athlete's mindset when they are like post-show, maybe they didn't quite get a result they wanted and they're looking for a reasoning as to why they didn't win or why they came second and it must have been because I didn't have enough carbs it must have been because x y and z when maybe it was just because the person first was that a little bit better but regardless so you've, you've heard me talk about data manipulation of carbs and fats and whatnot and pushing them up as we get kind of closer to the show to find out what we're doing once you've got that data, you can tweak it going into the show number two and three and whatnot. Whereas, if you said to someone, right, okay, and I, the reason I, did, I, I had this experience from my uh, previous coach many, many moons ago, 2017, what you'd say is like, you'd say, right, um, high day, and he'd say, right, have X amount more, X, X amount of bagels across the day, have a bagel and jam with this meal, a bagel and jam with this meal, and then that last meal, drop it and have like a burger and chips. Um, so what did I do? Um, quite sil- silly uh, at the time. I would go to a place in Dundee. It used to be called Tonic. It was a burger place. And you got like a fucking... It was. It must have been like an 18-ounce burger or something like that. I got that plus like two sides of chips and whatnot and mac and cheese. Um, but when I was, you know, eight weeks out, I wasn't doing that. So I make it very specific, right? Very specific. And that was quite silly of me, but a lot of first-timers are like that, right? But hey, you live and you learn. So what I say now is I'll say, if I'm giving a burger and chips to, to someone, I'll say, right, go, we'll go to Five Guys or we'll go to Burger King or we'll go to McDonald's. And I kind of roughly know the differences. They're very, very similar in regards to the macros, right? But at least I'm giving, it's a prescribed, like, right, go go Five Guys, get a burger, get a double fries and get a full-fat Coke. You know, like, at least it's prescribed and they know exactly what they're getting. It's not just a free-for-all. But, you know, you go back to that eight weeks out where you're just given sort of free meals and cheap meals and maybe you're um, maybe you're given prescribed, uh, you know, like I, I had before, like a bagel here and jam there and a Pop-Tart there or whatever, but you still have not much control over what they're having at night. I, and I'm data-driven, right? Of course I'm going to look at the visuals and that be the marker of what I'm going to do. But you need to have a little bit of control. That's what bodybuilding is all about, right? We like to control videos. You gotta have some. You gotta have something tangible in front of you. You can control and manipulate. Because you maybe someone wakes up and they've had a pizza and they're still really flat. They've had a burger and chips and they're really fucking spilled over. And you go, whoa, that was way too much. Well, you don't know how too much how much that was, the value. So then when you're going into the show, you're just just guesswork, isn't it? And then okay, maybe you nail it. Maybe you. You know, you're playing darts in the dark and you hit bullseye first time. But maybe you miss. And maybe you don't even hit the dartboard, right? 
I played darts with my mates a couple of weeks ago, um, our Christmas night out, and I was terrible, and the lights were on, <laughs> right? But what I'm getting at is that if everything is controlled, tracked, looked at, tweaked, manipulated, checked, analysed, analysed again, reanalysed, it's going to set up more opportunity for success. But here's the thing. As an athlete that's prepping, like, you want a high day. You want a refeed. You want a cheat meal. It's what you want because you're dieting. And dieting's difficult. And it's hard. And there's temptation around us, you know. All you got to do is turn the TV on or Netflix or whatever. Um, or anywhere on the internet. And there, there's an advert for food. There's people talking about food. There's food surround like just surrounded you all times and of course you're very hunger you're very hungry at this point but you're very food driven all of your thoughts when you get to the tail end of prep are consumed by when your next meal is so this is where you know someone could and what i don't recommend you do is just like follow loads of food pages on instagram scroll and like loads of desserts and make lists of what you're going to have don't do any of that but just please understand that I don't care if you love pizza or you love burgers, you love you know Chinese food or whatever. It'll still be open when you finish prep. People often get in a scarcity mindset with that. I don't get it quite as much now, but I used to um, a few years ago. And my client base was maybe a little bit less experienced. But as as I said before, you know that that food's it's not going anywhere. You'll still be able to buy it after your prep has begun. And when you change your mindset to that. I often think it really helps and then you stop craving that you know Havon and you know in off season I'd always get a pizza every week or as moth plan or a burger or whatever it may be you stop craving it because you then go all oh, right well yeah that's still going to be there and have that plus also you just need to remember like the ultimate goal is maybe to win right so if the ultimate goal is to win well what use is you having say that burger and chips when you maybe don't need it you just want it that's the thing with these high days and refeeds like it's not often I get a client that asks for it, but on occasion I do, and they'll say, when do you think they'll come? And I'm like, when you need them, how do you determine that? And I'm like, well, number one, you got to be like lean enough to have them. Like if you still have a lot of body fat and you're two weeks into prep, you don't need a high day. You simply just really, really want one. What you'll maybe need to understand is that you'll have to dig probably quite hard if you've started prep like 18 weeks out, you're probably going to have to dig for 8, maybe 10 weeks. 10 weeks is a long time. Let's say 8 weeks before you even contemplate getting one. And you're looking for fat loss to stall. So visually fat loss to stall. Um, you're looking for scale weight to, to stall. You're looking for strength and training performance to stagnate. Um, I'm not saying progression stagnant because progression's in a diet phase. It's come on, like we're we're dieting, we're not getting stronger unless we're taking hundreds like loads of gear. But you're looking for sleep to go down the tubes. You're looking for uh, motivation to go down the tubes. People dragging their feet. Just in general, there's a few factors there. I'm not saying you're like looking for all of them. Maybe you're maybe you see two or three the signs of that happening. So that's where you, okay, right, boom, now we're ready for for a high day. So something to think about, something to consider. Um, 
when it comes to a prep if you're prepping yourself or you have a coach that's um that's prepping you hopefully um you can use some of this information and it helps impact your decision making on what you do and when you do it um for those of you that are thinking about competing next year you know i always have space um if you are looking to join the team and i'd love to have you on board this season i attended 22 shows and it was it was a long season next year's already at 30 shows and climbing as more federations bring out their dates and I can't wait for it all. Um, of course, the Scottish season is is the one that kicks it all off, but that's just the start of a very, very busy year. Clients continue to compete in the likes of May, June, July, August, all the way through October. We'll have shows across Europe. We'll have shows across the whole of the UK, and and I'm and I'm 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 here for it with bells on. I can't fucking wait. If you haven't um, seen Instagram already, you may know that. Uh, Ali, who used to be under the brand, is now doing his own thing, and you know we wish him all the best um, here at Prep Coach UK. He's been someone I've worked alongside for probably you know ten years or so in some way, shape, or fashion. Whether that was together or whether that was just like you know under a pure gym, um, side by side. But he he's doing his own thing, more of like a lifestyle brand, and he's gonna have a huge amount of success. But as for me, obviously, it's still it's still just prep. Um, me myself and I. But uh, I can't wait. The team is growing each day, getting stronger each day. And this year it was a huge success. It was a phenomenal season. But next year is just set to be so much bigger. And it's just that's just so exciting to me. So I'm excited as well that today I have a call with um, the videographer for next year to discuss some dates and whatnot. And that'll be pretty cool um, but to capture a lot of special moments that haven't happened yet. But I look forward to being part of um, next year so wherever you are in the world hope you're well and remember to give it the big beans the whole beans nothing but the fucking beans